Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The second reading can be found on page 971. It's taken from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Good morning, everyone. It's very good to see you, Joe. Thank you for reading for us. And do keep your Bibles open. We're going to focus on that second reading from Matthew 7, which is on page 971. And with the Bible open in one hand, there's also a handout, which is on the the back of our yellow service sheets. And that might be a helpful guide for you to have to hand over the next few moments. But um, as we look at God's word together, let me pray for all of us as we do so. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he is both good and full of wisdom. And as we listen to his voice this morning, we ask that you would help us to believe that his words to us are words full of goodness and wisdom. Help us to believe them and to respond as he urges us to respond. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, Leeds University conducted a study into human behavior. They got a bunch of volunteers and they asked them to spend a few moments walking around a large open building, just randomly walking to see what what would happen. However, before the experiment began, they they secretly selected a couple of volunteers and they gave them a very specific route to follow that the other volunteers didn't know about. And then they began the experiment. And can you guess what happened? Over the next few moments, uh, those who were given the prescribed route were very quickly uh, followed by those who were allowed to walk anywhere. And after a while, everyone was copying each other, walking around this open space, even though they could walk anywhere. And the reason why that happens is because as humans, we, we love to follow the crowd. We follow the crowd in all kinds of areas of life. Just a few weeks ago, I was in the airport, and when I arrived into the, um, 
departure area, I simply joined the largest queue I could find um, to go, kind of go through check-in. And uh, it was actually also the right queue, as I found out later on. But um, our first thought is, where should I go? Follow the crowds. It's true when it comes to the clothes we wear or how fast we drive on the motorway or even where we choose to sit on a Sunday morning. No one sits in the front row, apart from Chris Tufnell, the curate. Thank you, Chris. This morning, uh, we start our summer sermon series in Matthew's Gospel. We're looking at Matthew 7 and beyond. And Matthew 7 comes at the end of the most famous sermon ever preached in the course of human history. The Sermon on the Mount, the words of Jesus. It began back in Matthew 5 with our first reading, and we will flick back to that um, throughout our morning. It's a stunning sermon, all about what it looks like to be a citizen of of the kingdom of heaven. It is the most glorious, beautiful, wholesome, attractive picture of how God wants his people to live as citizens of heaven. But as he comes towards the end of his sermon and and as he wraps things up, Jesus now in Matthew 7 and, and our reading this morning, he wants to now show us the right way to respond to this news about how to live as citizens of heaven. And he does it this way. Look at verse 13 again from our reading. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Jesus borrows a metaphor from everyday life. So imagine you're out in the hills for a lovely walk. And as you walk along the, the, tra- the path that you're following, uh, you come to a fork in the path. There, there are two ways you could go, left or right. You look left. There's a, a rather obscure, small little a gap in the fence, a, a tiny little gate, if you like. It looks a bit derelict. It looks unkept. It looks like a, a tight fit through it. And as best you can tell, very few people have been through it that day. It, it does, it's not the popular choice. You look right. There's a nicely paved road. It's wide, easily accessible. You can see lots of footprints in the dust along the path. It seems to be the obvious way everyone else is going. And which way do you go? And as Jesus comes to the end of his Sermon on the Mount, he is saying to us, we have a decision to make. The point of the metaphor is simple. As we hear Jesus preach about what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, we have to decide if we believe his words and will follow him, or if we will disregard his words and go a different way. There are only two options in front of us. We accept Jesus or we reject him. We live as citizens of heaven or we don't. And the shock for us this morning is that Jesus is preaching to a large large crowd. Well, first and foremost to his disciples, but a large crowd are listening. And many who hear him will choose to reject his words. And there may well be some, many perhaps even this morning, who by the end of this sermon will have decided that we do not want to go the way of Jesus. It'll be a way that is less traveled. 
It'll be a way that is unpopular, a way that means going against the crowd. And so this morning, as we think about our response to Jesus and his words, are we willing to stand out from the crowd and to heed his call to us? So as we stand at the fork in the road this morning, there are three things for us to realize about the decision before each one of us. The first is this, the way to life is narrow. Imagine you've decided to organize a party. Not just any party, but the best party with the best food and the best music and the best entertainment, the best location. And um, it's going to be the, the place to be. And you start to tell people about the party. You start to invite your friends, your family, your colleagues. You put something on Facebook. You, you tell your colleagues at work and you put adverts around the workplace. Um, you go to the gym and plaster the gym with um, posters everywhere. Um, you even put a jingle on local radio. You put something in the local press. Uh, you invite anyone and everyone to this most amazing party. It's the place to be. But then imagine if you hid where the party is. Imagine writing very obscure directions that no one can find. Imagine leaving lots of well-meaning, sincere people who long to be there at the party, simply unable to find it because the directions are so hard to follow. That would be cruel. And it can feel as if that is what Jesus is doing here. Look at verse 14. He says, But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. When he talks about life, he is talking about the kingdom of heaven, a place of eternal joy and happiness. But it sounds as if Jesus is being cruel. He's saying, look, I'm telling you about this most amazing place. It's full of life, but you won't find it. It's very hard to find very narrow, very obscure. Many people miss where to go. Is he being cruel? Not at all. The narrowness is a narrowness of the human heart, not of the host. He begins his sermon, Jesus, with some famous words. So if you have Matthew open before you do, flick back now to Matthew 5 in our first reading. This is how he begins his sermon. Look at Matthew 5, verse 3. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's very clear, isn't it? The way to the kingdom of heaven is for those who are poor in spirit. He's not saying that we have to be like the Scottish rugby team who have lost so many times in the past that when it comes to the next game, it's as if they've already lost before they begin um, the match in the first place. There's a kind of a, a depressed defeatism about the Scottish rugby team. That is not what it means to be poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit means to recognize that the problems of this world are not caused out there, but come from within here. To be poor in spirit recognizes that each one of us, including myself, we have a heart problem. And so when we get angry or when we lust with our eyes 
or when we fail to forgive someone as we should or we fail to love them as we should, that is not a blip on an otherwise blameless record or caused by some pressure from the outside. These sins come from within. They are who we are. Our hearts, says Jesus, are sick. And that is why the way to life is narrow because it means accepting that truth about yourself, being poor in spirit. To take the broad path means that you don't have to self-reflect. You don't have to look at your heart. You don't have to say, yes, I have a sin problem. You can blame others for your mistakes and you can live with a narrative where basically Pete Scammon's a good guy. It's very easy to live that way. Over the years, I've had the chance to lead a number of different discussion groups with people looking into the person of Jesus. And it's so often the case that when we come to that particular week where we look at the human heart and see what he says about the state of our hearts, that's when so often people don't come back the week after. Or if they do, there's a a frostiness, a remoteness to their response. Because the way to life is narrow and only a few take it. It means being poor in spirit. The way to life is narrow also because it means living God's way. And the sermon continues. Look at verse six of chapter five. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. To be a righteous person is to be a person who who lives God's way. And through this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shows us that to live God's way isn't just about keeping a set of external rules. It's much more than that. It's about our whole existence, our whole lives, our hearts as well. And so Jesus says, yes, don't murder, but also don't be angry. Yes, don't commit adultery, but also don't lust. To be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is to be a person who asks, what does God want from me? How can I live for him? It's a person who who longs to live God's way. And again, in our society, as we follow the crowd, the crowd says to us, be your own person. Don't let anyone tell you what to do, even though we follow the crowd. But the way is narrow, living God's way. And finally, it's narrow because it means we have to be fully reliant on God. In Matthew 6, Jesus shows us that one of the true hallmarks of a citizen of heaven is a person who has learned how to pray to our heavenly father. And one of the great marks of a citizen of heaven is to be a person of prayer. In our humility, knowing that we do not have what it takes to live as we should. And so we cry out to heavenly father, your kingdom come, your will be done in my heart, in my life. Give us today our daily bread and also forgive us our sins. To rely on a heavenly father means that we know that we can't make it on our own. We need to be forgiven. We fall short. We turn to him for help. The way to life is narrow. And notice that Back in Matthew 7, when Jesus talks about the decision before us, he talks about a gate and a road. And um, I I don't think we should push 
the difference between gate and road too far. I think he's saying that there's a decision to be made, yes, but the decision isn't just a point in time. It's actually a way of life. And there'll be some here today who aren't yet Christians, and thank you for coming. It's great to have you here. And yes, there is a decision to be made. Uh, Will you choose the narrow way that involves owning your own mistakes and faults and crying out for forgiveness? But I'm also thinking today of those who've been Christian many years, and it would be a mistake to think that because back when we were 14 on a summer camp, we made a decision to follow Jesus, that that's all we have to do. It'd be easy to sit back and say, well, I've done Matthew 7 now, and I can just sit back and let other people think about the application for them. But that's not how it works. Jesus is putting before each one of us a decision that shapes all of life forever. It's a way of being. We're traveling one way or the other. We're not just making a one-off decision. It's a way of life. And so for all of us this morning, whether we are new to Christian things or we've been Christian many years, what way are we traveling on? What does our life look like today? Is the way that we are on marked by what it means to be a citizen of heaven? Or is it marked by something else? And so for all of us this morning, as we reflect on the way we are traveling, is our current life marked by a a poorness of spirit where we are quick to reflect on our own hearts and sins, where we are able to own the fact that we do have a heart problem, that we need our heavenly Father to forgiveness? Are we marked by a, a hunger, a longing to live God's way? Or is there a a kind of enduring rebellion where areas of our lives are off limits to God's rule and commands? The way to life is narrow. Next, the way to life is unpopular. And back in Matthew 7, look at verse 13 again. Jesus says, For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus is very clear. Many people will choose the wide path, and only a few will choose the narrow one. Only a few will choose to live as citizens of heaven, and it will not be a popular choice. In fact, uh, as, as soon as Matthew 5, he's been warning us that to live for Jesus will be a reason that people will persecute us in this world. They'll see us as being different and they won't like it. They will persecute us for being followers of Jesus. In the paper this week, the Foreign Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, has acknowledged that Christians are the most persecuted people group in the world. He says that around a quarter of a billion Christians are enduring persecution around the world today. And it's believed that Christians are the target of around 80% of all religious discrimination or persecution. That's from Jeremy Hunt. And that is exactly what Jesus promises here for those who live as citizens of heaven. And even if in this country we don't experience what we would call persecution, even if the opposition we have because we're followers of Jesus is is relatively mild and and low-key, 
we still need to realize that if we choose to follow Jesus, we are taking the minority path, the path that is not popular, and it will mean that we are different, and people won't like the difference. If we are to long for heavenly treasure rather than the earthly treasure of a bigger house and a better car and a greater savings account. If we're going to shape our life that way, people around us won't like it. If we are to have a kind of righteousness that is shaped by God's values, then people won't like it. I think um, we see this particularly in the area of our sexual behavior today that when people see the teaching of Jesus about how to behave in that area, and as we try to live out his teaching, people mock us for it. They don't like the teaching of Jesus on sex. And so to be a follower of Jesus, a citizen of heaven, will mean always being unpopular in this world. There are many in the wider church today who say that we must listen to our culture, that we must um, adapt the Christian message to be more palatable to the world, to be more popular to those around us, thinking that then we'll fill our church buildings once again. But there's great danger in trying to make the church and the gospel popular. It never has been. It never will be. It's always the minority decision. Last year, I was at a conference, and I heard a, a Christian GP being interviewed about her experience of being a Christian and a GP. And uh, as she was talking, she was very clear that she made the, the, the most of her opportunities. She, she tried hard to tell as many patients as possible about the Lord Jesus. And um, without boasting, without sort of bragging in it in any way, she was able to... Uh, Recount how the Lord had used her to um, bring a number, I think dozens of people to a saving faith in Jesus through her witness as a GP at work. And I remember hearing her talking and then thinking, how has she managed to make the gospel so attractive to so many people? You know, when I try to speak about this to my friends in Cockney or so on, most people don't like what I'm saying. So how has this GP managed to be so effective with so many people? And then it dawned on me that as she went on speaking, the reason why maybe a couple of dozen had become Christian over her whole career wasn't because she had made the gospel particularly popular, but because she had been talking to hundreds and hundreds of people across her whole career. And from that huge number, some had responded. And I was struck by her perseverance in telling people about Jesus she must have had many conversations where people walked out of her surgery annoyed, angry at what she was saying, but she kept going, but some did respond and find life. And as, as Christians, those who are citizens of heaven, uh, we are called to go on talking to others about Jesus, and it will be an unpopular conversation. It'll be easy to give up, longing to be more liked by the people around us. But it's okay not to be liked. It's not because we're doing something wrong, or well, it might be, but if we're speaking faithfully about Jesus, it's always been that way. It's always been a minority decision to follow Jesus. And it helps to know that as you try to persevere. And it's also a great joy to know that some will turn and trust in him. The way to life is unpopular. 
But it's not just persecution that Jesus is talking about. In the Sermon on the Mount, he, he calls his people to live as citizens of heaven by not trying to impress other people. We shouldn't conduct our lives seeking the praise of others. So in Matthew 6, he talks about how some do their acts of righteousness, Matthew 6, verse 1, to be seen by other people. Or in verse 5, some pray like hypocrites in front of people to impress them. That is not how a citizen of heaven is to live. Our desire should be to please our heavenly Father, not other people. And so a citizen of heaven is someone who's not impressive in the world's eyes. People will look at us and not see very much. They won't see our righteousness or our prayer life. There is a certain amount of not being popular that goes with pleasing our Father in heaven and not other people. The way to life is unpopular. And so today, for each of us, we have a decision to make as we head home and enjoy some lunch in just a few moments. We will all make a decision about what we're hearing this morning. There's a a broad way that is popular, and there's a narrow way that is unpopular. And can I say, to, to not decide is to make a decision. If we don't think about this anymore today, we are by default heading towards the broad way. There's no third option or fence to sit on. There's only two, the broad or the narrow. And after all we've seen, why would anyone choose the narrow, unpopular way? If we're new to Christian things, it'd be understandable to think, well, why bother with the hassle, with the self-examination, with the, um, the reliance on someone else? It's much easier to live a life the broad way. It's, just, it's, it's more straightforward, more popular. And for Christians here this morning, particularly those who have been Christian a while, It is easy to wonder if we have missed out on life by trying to live as citizens of heaven. Missed out on a salary rise or being able to indulge our appetites and pleasures like other people do. A sense of wondering if this narrow constriction is actually not as good as we thought it would be. Well, finally, the path to life is worth it. Look at verse 13 again. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. There is tremendous gain in the present. There is life. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about how to be a citizen of heaven means that we can call God our heavenly Father. In Matthew seven eleven, just before our reading, he talks about the great joy of knowing that we can speak to our heavenly Father in prayer and that he hears us and answers. Jesus says, if a, an earthly father is able to give good gifts to his children, how much more so will your heavenly Father give you good gifts? Rejoice, citizen of heaven. You've got a heavenly father who hears your prayers when you ask him and he gives you just what you need. And so to live the narrow way, it might be unpopular in the eyes of the world, but it means we've got a heavenly father who's looking out for us, caring for us, protecting us, guiding us, answering our prayers in wonderful ways. 
There's great gain in the present, but there's great gain also in the future. Jesus says the broad way leads to destruction. And he is talking about hell. When he returns, he will judge all of humanity. And for those who have persisted in a life of rebellion against Jesus, who have lived the broad way their whole lives, he will call time on that rebellion. That is the warning from Jesus here. But for those who have followed the way of life, the promise is that when Jesus returns, he will welcome us into his kingdom. It is the kingdom of heaven that will come down from the heavens to earth and it will be the beginning of the new creation. A world put right, a world full of unbroken joy and perfect relationship. The path to life is worth it. Some years ago, Lorna and I got a sat-nav for the car. And in the early days, we used to follow its every command, blindly loyal to it. And um, on one journey, I remember, we spent, I think, almost an hour near Lake Windermere, going around and around a one-way system, because it kept telling us to go straight down a ramp into the lake. (laughs) We didn't, but we couldn't see any other way forward, and we kept going around and around. Nowadays, having lived with a sat-nav for a number of years, we're much more savvy. We know to often ignore it. When it says go somewhere, that makes no sense. We often think, well, that can't be right. We use our intuition. We go a different way. This morning, as we come to a fork in the road, described for us in Matthew 7, it would be easy to hear the voice of Jesus and to turn away in disdain thinking that can't be right. That's not how it is. To assume that we know better. But Jesus speaks with the authority of one who has come from heaven to earth, the one who can call God his father, and the one who has returned back to heaven, the one who is the king of the kingdom of the heavens. That's the one who speaks to us this morning. And when he speaks, he urges us to choose the narrow, unpopular way, and we would do well to heed his voice. I hope um, if you're a brand new uh, new to Christian things this morning, thank you again for coming. I do hope this morning that over the summer you will come back to hear more of the words of Jesus, more about how to respond to what he's saying to us. I hope you'll see the urgency of making a wise decision before him. And for those of us who have professed the name of Jesus, perhaps many years ago, I hope we can see that Jesus is urging us to today live a life that is consistent with the citizenship of heaven. To not be complacent, relying on a past decision, but to assess our lives now. Am I heading, walking, traveling in, living in the right way? that is narrow and unpopular. It is a way of humble confession of sin, a way of crying out for forgiveness, a a way of being concerned to live God's way, a way that is willing to go against the crowd. So let me pray as we finish.
Our Father in heaven, we thank you for these words of Jesus given to each one of us to help us to know how to live our lives. And I pray that this day, as we begin in our own hearts to respond to what we've heard, that you'd help us to respond as Jesus urges us to respond, to choose the narrow and unpopular way that leads to life. Father, we thank you for um, the Lord Jesus who, having spoken these words, then went on to die on the cross. We thank you that at the cross he won for us forgiveness, that it is through the cross that we can cry out to you, Heavenly Father, and forgive us our sins, that it is through him that we come to you. Please help us to make it our way of life, the way of humble confession, awareness of our sins, of a reliance on you, of a desire to live for you. And Father, please, would this church family go on being a family here that is remarkably different from the world around us, wonderfully different, beautifully different, willing to be unpopular, but living as citizens of heaven. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.